Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. We're talking about the holy place today. Somebody say, thank God we finally got there. (laughs) We got there, and we have had a great time all the way from the entrance gate until now. And if you haven't had a great time, you've at least made me feel like you've had a great time. And so I, I appreciate that. If you, if you have not, just thank you for faking it. I appreciate that. I, I honor it. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. The holy place, this system of frames and sockets and rings and bars formed the interior wall of the tabernacle, a specific order and detailed instruction. We've been talking about this for weeks. He is a God of specific instruction. He is specific and thank God that he is because when it comes to the needs of our lives, we hope he is specific. Amen. That's why we encourage people, don't pray general prayers and expect specific blessing. Pray exactly what you need. Nudge somebody else and tell them, be intentional. Despite the beauty of the interior, the exterior was not appealing. Okay? It was animal skins. It was flesh covering. And also there was no floor in the tabernacle. Think about that. As elaborate as it was, outside of the dust And the desert sand, the floor of God's dwelling place, as extravagant as it was, was dust. But you understand the type here, the very dust from which he had created man. And there was the type and the shadow that one day the tabernacle would be flesh. Okay? So we're going to preach about the holy place here today. Specifically, we're going to speak to those three areas, the golden candlestick, the menorah. We're going to talk about the table of showbread, and we're going to talk about the altar of incense. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We thank you for our opportunity to come together again on this Sunday morning. I pray that you would anoint, help, guide, guard everything that is said and that is done. I want it to be effective and efficient. I cannot preach without your anointing. We cannot hear effectively without your anointing and your blessing upon our lives. Help us not only to hear with our ears, but help us hear with our hearts that your word might find lodging and would grow and would produce that which we need. We are very much a communal gathering. We're here as a body of believers, but we have very individual needs here. And I'm asking that you would speak to every individual, and I'm asking that you would speak to every family. You know what we are in need of, but there is nothing that we cannot find in your presence. If we need it, you've got it. If there's a need that we have, you have the answer. Before we felt the lock, You held the key. You are everything that we have need of. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray blessing on it. And everyone shout amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Our answer is Him. It's Him. It's Him. 
That flesh, that flesh of the tabernacle, that type, that understanding was that John chapter 1 and verse 14 would record the Word would become flesh. That's what happened. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The classic edition of the AMP, I want to read this translation. And the Word, Christ, became flesh, human or incarnate, and was tabernacled or fixed his, his tent of flesh and lived a while among us. And, and we actually saw his glory, his, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives of the Father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. Remember that old song? It's all in him. It's all. In him. So when we look at the tabernacle, we understand that what we are doing, we've been talking about this for weeks. We look backward and we, we see that from the place and the time when there was no form and, and it was void and the breathed creation of God working towards a process and a plan. And remember we talked about the altar and the lamb that was leading to the spotless lamb after we had walked through the gate by which he is the gate. And now we have worked past the, the labor and, and, and we are into the place where we're coming past the gates. The, remember last week the sovereign king, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, but we come into the holy place because dwelling in the outer court is not the answer. Okay? Imagine service. Now, this isn't the same, but imagine it so that you can kind of get it fixed in your mind for an illustration. Imagine service where we made everybody stay in the foyer. Everybody had to play Rochambeau to be able to get entrance. You, you lost. You're in the foyer today. Only people that want. Only people that... Imagine that. Now, I will say this. I do think there should be a reverence for the sanctuary. Oh, I'm going to get old school for a minute on it, okay? I don't think we should drink coffee in the sanctuary. There's a mixed crowd. A... I, I think we should honor it, okay? I don't think we need to treat it like McDonald's. I'm going to ease into this. Something different about the holy place. We're trying to make sure that God knows we're serious. We're serious here. How many expect when you come to church for there to be a move of God? How many expect that? How many, let, me, let, let me take a poll of the crowd. Would you leave disappointed if you came and I just sat here and did this? Welcome here today. We are glad that you're here, and we would like for you to open up your books to page 137, and we will read today. I've been to that church. Not far from it. When we come in this church, it's why we're demonstrative, and some people aren't demonstrative. But every now and then it hits us. I had no business making it to the holy place. I really had no business making it. 
But just because we enter into the holy place does not mean that structure is eliminated. Structure still matters. In fact, the first piece of furniture that we encounter when we walk into the holy place is the golden candlestick or the menorah, okay? There, the golden candlestick is going to be a critical function beyond that initial veil, beyond those pillars and beyond that veil, so that there can be light given to the holy place, okay? It was a seven-stemmed candelabra. There was a base that was the central stem, and then there, there were two big stems with three branches on each, okay? There were those cups on the ends that were shaped like that open almond, uh, almond flower made from a solid piece of hammered pure gold. It was an oil lamp. It had a linen wick that was down in it. Fire from the altar would light the candlestick. Now note that. To have candle in the holy place, to have light in the holy place, there's got to be fire at the altar. Because to move into the next realm or the next dimension, it's still dependent on the altar. To move from one level to the next, we still need that altar. Well, once I've moved into the holy place, I don't need the outer court. Wrong. We need people at every level of the process. That's part of why I love them marching up here today. And you can see that even in this line, they're in all different places in the journey. Was that visible? Is that all right? They're at all different places in the journey. And you know what the good thing is? They all belong. Everybody. Maybe you've been saved for 50 years and you wake up in the Holy of Holies, but thank God there is somebody at the entrance gate just trying to get in. They're just trying to get in. Thank God there's somebody at the altar for the first time saying, I've never felt like this. I've never experienced this, but I'm pleading the blood of the lamb and I'm, I'm asking. And there's somebody that's at the labor and they're, well, they've never been baptized. Mercy had never been baptized. We got two more after service. They've never been baptized. The whole time, a flurry of activity. In the holy place, we've got the, we've got the candlestick that is there and it is giving light to the area. We do not need just the furniture if we cannot see how to use it. We don't need techniques, tips, tricks, structure if we cannot have a pure vision of how to utilize it. Ministry fairs don't matter if we don't have vision to utilize it. Special song sets, planning center. Before we ever walk out here, don't we, brother? Zach, we're in the office. We're walking through the whole structure of service, the whole order of service. And none of it matters if we can't have vision for why we're doing it. So that group standing in front of us today was a reminder of the vision. So in the candelabra, or in the menorah, or the golden candlestick. It is probably one of the longest places where I spend in my daily prayer. Because Brother Gallion, for me, the candlestick in the holy place is the reminder that in my life I must have structure and I must have oil. 
You've heard me preach about it, but I'm going to preach about it this morning for anyone who has not. In your life, you need the structure of God and you need the oil, which is his spirit. You do not need just one or just the other. We need our church to have both. Imagine a church with no structure. You show up with your kids and we don't know where to take them. Here's my child. Just let them go. What's that? Just let them find somewhere. We don't want to offend anybody with structure. We don't, we don't want to make anybody. You don't want structure there. You ever been driving home or headed somewhere and for some unknown reason the traffic lights are out? You always got that one guy that doesn't want to stop and wait his turn? Wait! You lose the ghost real quick. I can be angry and sin not. Structure helps. Stru structure helps. Found it, Brother Henderson and the team working so hard with seating for Friday night. What are we going to do? Not a free-for-all. Because some are still going to treat it that way. No matter what you try to do. Brother Vito, how about that? All that equipment that we rent. How about this? Don't put any time in. Just show up and turn some knobs. That would sound fantastic. That's ridiculous, right? We wouldn't do that. How about giving your kid the keys to your car and let them drive it for 10,000 miles and never get the oil changed? Hmm. I want to tell a story on one of my kids right now, but I don't want to. <laughs> Something they said to you, nah. <laughs> How many know maintenance is cheaper than repair? <laughs> Praise God. Structure matters. Structure matters. It matters that when we show up, we have things structured. Somebody said to me, I don't like though. It's like when I, I show up, we just do the same thing. Listen. Here's where the oil better come into play. We got to have structure. But when the spirit sweeps in. If you don't have structure, how do you house the oil? Imagine the priest coming in with pure oil, not just any oil, the pure oil. Bringing that pure oil in. And now there is no candlestick. Why don't we just pour it in a puddle on the floor? Because you've been to that church too. Come on. Sister so-and-so, do you feel a song tonight? How many remember this? You got a testimony. People around them said like, no, 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 they don't have one. They don't have a testimony. They don't have one. My favorite testimony of all time. I'm going to tell you right. You ready? I'm going to tell you right now. The night that ended testimony service for us. <laughs> Live streaming all. Got up and testified about flushing the little holder for the toilet paper. True story. I was so distraught, they said. Ready? With enunciation. But three days later, that thing popped back up out of there. I grabbed it and said, the Lord is good.
testimony service. That's why most of our testimonies are on video. It's called editing. <laughs> and if you don't like it, I don't care. Why? We need structure and we need oil. We need both. I will tell you what happened here two Sunday nights ago. We had every we had the planning center laid out. We had everything just right in line. Every all the everybody that likes structure, you would have liked it. We walked through it line by line by line by line. But something happened when they started to sing that last song. I'm telling you, it was like oil from heaven. It was like a valve opened up on this place, and everybody that wanted it was just getting saturated. When the oil shows up. I want him to know we'll just not worry about our structure we'll set that to the side and we'll ask you to set this place on fire and just blaze all over this house but it's not one or the other we need them both and I gotta tell you something your family needs both your family needs both let me tell you what structure will look like in your family. Don't be somebody here and somebody different at home. That's confusing. The pattern of that, that, that hammered gold did not change. It was consistent. It was consistent in that in that it was not only resident in the holy place, but had it been drugged to the outer court, it would not have withered. Its structure was affixed in the holy place. That's where it belonged. But its structure would not change if it was moved. We need to reflect that in Christ. That type of Christ that, that he had no form nor comeliness. And, and we know that he was beaten and he was brute. We know that there was a shaping. But there's something else that is taking place here. When we reflect Christ, we are meant to reflect consistency. Here they were. They were coming a couple times a day and they were trimming the wicks because it has to happen. A fire is a great thing, but maintenance is necessary. And we have found, it doesn't matter if you have lived for God for five minutes or 55 years, living for God takes continual trimming. Continual. If you want to stay, if you want to stay a consistent witness and bear witness and let the light of God shine through you, you are a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. If that is to happen, there is a trimming which occurs. Who be honest? Just help me right now, a little bit, little bit on this Sunday morning. Who accidentally said something ugly this week? Who lied this week? Some of y'all need to raise your hand. <laughs> you didn't mean to say it. You didn't mean to get mad. You didn't mean to get frustrated. But it just happened. Remember when you were a kid? Don't let Satan. Remember? There is this constant desire to eliminate the light of your life. 
the reflection of what remember, everything is pointing towards. The can, it was giving light, this candelabra. It's giving light to the holy place. And it's still setting us on trajectory towards the holy of holies. It, it, it's leading us. It's giving light. It's allowing the journey. And the problem is some of us cannot advance because we cannot see how to get there. It's meant to be an advancing. It's meant to be a progression. But when we cannot keep our own light burning, it is a problem. And a dangerous scenario is when we cannot keep our own life lit up, but we expect to light up others or lead others. You cannot lead others if you cannot see the way yourself. Amen. So we've got to have it. We've got to have that structure. And we've got to have that oil. It's necessary for us. Leviticus 24 verses 2 through 4 is where it will talk to you and, and, and you would see that it's telling them that they would cause the lamps to burn continually. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. Everybody say continually. It was that light for the holy place. It was the single source of light for the holy place. What did Jesus say? John chapter 8. He said, I'm the light of the world. He is the single source. If we have any light at all, it is the light of Him that is meant to shine through us. Let's look, let's look together. John chapter 1. Let's, let's do this before we move. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. John 1, 4 through 9. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not or could not resist it. Because all darkness is, is the absence of light. Once light shows up, darkness does not exist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That light is the life. It is found in Jesus Christ. When people see us, they are not meant to see the greatness of us. They are meant to see the greatness of God. Wouldn't that be something? If when they saw us, they would see God. I'll never forget uh, Brother Graham telling the story of when he was a youth pastor years ago uh, in southern Illinois. <clears throat> He said he was there and there was a little neighborhood boy and, and this neighborhood boy had uh, no real good family or anybody that, that would uh, love on him. I don't remember the specifics in there, but he said this little guy would always want to be around and hang around. He said, and uh, one day, after I don't know how many months it was of being with him, <coughs> this little guy comes up and out of nowhere, he looked at him. He said, it was the most humbling moment of my life. He said, he looked at me. And he said, you must be a lot like what Jesus is like. 
little kid who wasn't hearing, I love you at home. Who nobody was picking up to spend any time with. I remember thinking that and hearing that. And, 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 and how many know every now and then the word makes us have some introspection? Do we want them to see that we can speak well, live well, teach well, have financial success? What is it that, or do we want them to look at us and say, they must be a lot like what Jesus is like. And that's a very, that's a very weighty statement. It's a very weighty uh, concept to consider. But I think for everyone in the house, we must recognize that is our goal. It is our goal that men and women and children would look at us and think, that must be a lot of what Jesus looks like. That's why it matters how we look. It matters how we walk and talk. It matters how we live. He was beaten. He's the vine. We're the branches. John 15. It was necessary. It was critical. The seven being the perfect number, walking in the Spirit, giving daily attention to the maintenance of the oil, trimming that wick, recognizing that there is the old and there is the new, the type and the shadow. You could go to Matthew 25, consider the, the, the story of the ten virgins, the parable that is laid there, and remember that the necessity of having fresh oil, fresh anointing, being filled with the Spirit, you you cannot depend upon your friends in that moment. Can I pause right here and remind us what we already know and what you've heard me say before, but you're going to hear me say a thousand more times if the Lord tarries. He is coming soon. And we must be prepared. Oil is not an accessory. <clears throat> uh-huh. Look at my gold. <laughs> That's a pretty candlestick. Isn't it nice? Yeah, look at it. It's beautiful. What kind of gold? It's pure. Pure gold. What's it do? Looks good. What do you do with it? Oh, nothing. But it looks good. Looks good. It's like the time I heard Dave Brown telling that story about the uh, interview with the, with the bodybuilder. <clears throat> Said the guy was interviewing the bodybuilder. Said the bodybuilder was up there. I asked Dave if he looked like me. He said, not really. He's doing one of the, come on, you know what I'm talking Said he got done, interviewer went up to him and said, uh, so tell me about your process. How many years? Whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, got all the way down the question, said, Brother Barkey said he asked him, interviewer said, What do you like, what do you do? What do you do with them? The muscles, like what do you use them for? Said the guy went. <laughs> Come on, y'all see the leg shake. Leg. He said, no, 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 I know, I know, I know you do that. He said, I know you do that. But like, what do you, he said, the guy was confused. He said, this is what I use them for. Just for show. Just show off. <laughs> 
just to do this. They don't really serve purpose other than to make people think I look good. I don't want a candlestick that looks good, that's got no oil. I don't want that kind of life personally, and I, I don't want that kind of church. I don't want a church. Listen, people... Somebody told me this week, oh, so many of us watch online, and some people are watching online right now. I want them to know this isn't a church that is just trying to look good. We want this to be a church where people show up from all walks of life, and when they walk in this house, I promise you, when they walk in this house, seeing gold won't change anything. But if they can walk in here and feel the oil, If they walk in here and the flame of the Holy Ghost, oh, come on, help me, somebody. If they walk in here and the structure and the oil are both evident and there's people around this place, it doesn't matter if they've never heard anybody speak with tongues. It won't be about what they see and what they hear. It'll be about what they feel. It'll be about the vision. They don't know they've never been here before, but there's enough light to find their way to the next place. I wouldn't have, I've never been in the holy place, but I can see the journey. I, I can see what I've got to do. It's not about getting good to get God. It's about getting God, and, and the journey begins to unfold. You need structure, but you need oil, and we need it as a church. I don't want dead church. And if you don't like exciting church, you won't like here. That's my disclaimer. If you don't like preachers that yell sometimes, you won't like me. I don't care. You just like talkers? Come Wednesday night, I'll talk more. Okay? I'm demonstrative about I am a Pentecostal preacher, and I am unapologetic about that fact. And I am training Pentecostal preachers, and I am unapologetic about that fact. We, we believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection. And if you think I'm loud, you ought to listen to hell. Hell is way louder than me. So yeah, I'm gonna lift my voice and I'm gonna cry against the darkness and I'm gonna say, let there be light. Let there be light in this church. Let there be light in our Sunday school. Let there be light in our youth group. Let there be light. Pastor, that might not be necessary. It might not, but it feels good. And hell is loud. I don't know what you're talking about. It's loud in the form of meth addicts across this city. It's, it's loud in the fact it's trying to destroy marriages and families. You think hell's not ripping families apart? It's after marriages in this church, not just in this city. You don't have to nod, you don't have to clap, but that's right. So if you think I can settle for us to have three songs and a cute little poem sermonette, it's not, we need the oil of God. We need the Holy Ghost to move. We need somebody to come trembling to an altar and say, I couldn't have found it without the light. I, I couldn't have found it with the, but there was structure and there was oil and I found my way. Throw your hands towards heaven, would you, right now? Would you pray with me? Pray, God, let the Holy Ghost.
Come on, let's just take a minute and pray all over the room. Just, just throw your hands towards heaven like those branches of the candelabra. Just pray. Somebody make your prayer right now. Fill me up, God. Fill me with oil. Fill me with your spirit. I want to be a cup that's overflowing. I want it to be, I want it to be overflowing. I want it to be overflowing. Somebody shout amen. amen. We're in this series because we're talking about the power of prayer and communion with God. Maybe seated the next step forward. We go over to the table of showbread. We, we go over to the table of showbread. How many know the priests need a little something to eat too? <laughs> Unto the Lord. Given to the Lord, that table of showbread was necessary, acacia wood overlaid with gold, the border and the crown that was upon it, the dishes, the spoons, the bowls, the covers. The showbread would be on the table along the vessels of wine that would be there. The literal translation of Hebrew of showbread, it was the bread of his presence. Whew. I want to feast on him. Man, I feel such, I feel something moving in this place right now. I really, I want to feast on him. I want to tell you how I pray personally. Part of what I'm doing is not just from the book, Heaven to Earth, by Brother Mangan. We've been walking through this. But personally, when I come to this place, Brother Robeson, when I come to the table of showbread in my, in my personal prayer time, I did it this morning. I begin to pray for leaders in my life. I begin to pray for ministers in my life. I have an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher that are all in my life. They cover my life. They're a part of me because you don't want a pastor that's uncovered. You don't want a pastor that's unsubmitted. If I become uncovered, I will no longer pastor you. That is my commitment. I begin to pray over these leaders in my life. I begin to pray that they would have strength and they would have substance, that God would accept, the altar, would accept the sacrifice, but that they would have substance in their life because we cannot preach, uh, we cannot preach without our own feasting and we cannot deliver water from dry wells. Okay? How can I offer you bread if my own stomach has nothing in it? How can I offer you from the Word of God if I myself have no Word of God inside? Whew. It is necessary. How can you break bread with someone else if you have not broke bread with yourself? You want to invite other people to the table between you and God? Then you need to have some time with just you and God at the table. I begin to pray over them and then I begin to pray over all the ministries and the leaders that are within this local assembly and this surrounding community. I begin to pray for everyone that handles ministry in any way. Those that are trying to give and those that are trying to serve and those that are trying to facilitate ministries. Those all the way from the pockets, the seeds uh, uh, that are feeding and working with homeless and cards are being read. And we're praying all the way through our Sunday school department and Brother Healy and all those that are working and, and work all the way through. Listen, down to the custodial staff. Or maybe I should say up to. <clears throat> 
praying through and working through, that's a good place for you to spend time. But you need voice in your life. You need clear voice in your life and a clear place for prayer. And as I'm standing there and as I'm working in that, 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 that necessary moment, that table of showbread, I'm beginning to say, oh God, let them be strengthened. Say, oh pastor, is this a place where you just encourage us to pray for you every day? Number one, yeah. If you think I'm going to be apologetic about that, no. Not apologetic about that. I need you to pray that I can have the mind of God. I need you to pray protection over my family and over those children. I need you to pray that. But then I need you to pray, listen, I need you to pray over the other ministers in this church. That we wouldn't get our eyes on people, but that we'd keep our eyes on God. And remember that everyone that tries to handle holy things is human themselves. And remember that the dangerous thing to deal with is the humanity of our heroes and understanding that people will still be people at the end of the day, but that God might grant wisdom and integrity to facilitate the necessary. You're not going to get everything right, and I'm not either. But may God grant the wisdom so that the process can move forward. So that it can move us forward and direct us. We understand that there's a type represented here at the table of showbread of even the communion that would be coming. That, that, that meal that would be coming of the body and the wine. The, the body and the blood that would be represented later at the communion. There's this type. There's this shadow. Remember, we're always leading. We're always reaching. We're always, if you, if you haven't heard this or you missed it in a previous announcement, that's why I'm excited about Passover. I'm, I'm excited about Easter service. And I'm thankful for the visitors that are come. But I'm excited about Passover. Passover where our church family is going to come together for a special time of communion with the body. I expect an absolute tidal wave of the Spirit when we come together in that communion service. It is not going to be just some regular communion. Can I tell you, there is no such thing as a regular communion service. But when communion is taken and we partake of the body and we partake of the blood, when we, when, when, we, when we partake of it, and we don't believe that it literally becomes the body or literally becomes the blood, we don't believe in that, but we do believe that it is the representation when I partake of his body and when, when I drink of his blood. It was the price that was paid. When I come to the labor and I consider the, the, the effectiveness and the necessity of the, of the priest and the effectiveness and the necessity of the process, it brings me to that place where I say, God, strengthen the leadership. Let it be in our life. And then, and then, and then, and then, I'm reminded that Jesus said, I, I am the bread. Whew. I am the bread of life. Not just a physical little cracker or a piece of unleavened bread that I put. But every day. Because if you wait on a physical communion to have a spiritual one. I got to partake of his body every day. How do I do that? I open up that word. We've been talking about this for weeks. But that daily devotion is critical. Because it will allow you to get that. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word. Remember we opened with 114. But 1-1. That Word was flesh. And if you ever need to partake. You open up that Word. And you, you feast on it into your life. You don't need pastor yelling at you. You don't need pastor uh, teaching you on a Wednesday night. For you to remember that you can open up that Word. Get that word in your home. We need more word and less Hollywood. That's not for your applause. That's for your consumption. But it is true. It is something worthy for us to remember. 
Let's go to the altar of incense. The altar of incense, this is the place of intercession. Brother Turner so powerfully spoke about a month ago on intercession, but this is that place that stands right between the veil and the holiest of holies. It is the separation, that veil, that veil which was his body according to Hebrews. This is the, this is the altar of incense that is there. It is significantly smaller than the brazen altar that we spent time on here a couple of weeks ago. But listen, it stood taller than the candlestick and it stood taller than the table. While it was right there at the veil, those four golden horns that were on the outskirts of it. It was designed intentionally for those horns to hold some blood from the altar and for the coals to be brought. I talked about this uh, last week or two weeks ago and I got a little ahead of myself. I told you when I did it, but I want to revisit it right now and remind us that before I get into the Holy of Holies and I come to this place, I come to this place. I come to this. I don't... I want to come boldly, but I don't ever want my boldness to denounce my humility. You can come boldly to the throne. You, you can come boldly to the holiest place. Thank God that the veil was ripped, but it doesn't mean with a lack of humility. We still do not deserve it. And so the only way it works is I need calls from the altar. The coals, oh, what a title that would be, the carrying of the coals. Just the carrying, just the dirty carrying of the coals and the significance of the garments. And can't you see it? You, you don't have to have done anything more than use some old coal outside on your, on your charcoal fireplace. You, you don't have to have hardly had any, any history with this at all to know how dirty you could have gotten. I grew up in a really old house in southern Illinois. Anna, Illinois, we lived in this, this old house for one period of time. And the, door, the house next door was owned by the same person. Nobody was living in the house, and we snuck into that house. Found our way to the basement, and there was a coal-heated furnace. How many, anybody ever seen one of these? All the pieces of coal? Yeah. As kids, we thought it was a great idea one day to go play in that coal. I look like a West Virginia miner coming out of there. Walk back into my house. Mom was looking at me. I was like, what? What? As if the evidence wasn't obvious. That coals had to bring those from the, from the altar and had to get them to the altar of incense because at the altar of incense, that fragrance that was going to be used, it was here where the three rare spices would be blended. It was, it was mixed together, that frankincense. It was beaten into a fine powder. It was beaten down. How, how would I get this far and still need a grinding process? Because the process is perfection, not for... It's not just for arrival. It's for perfection. It's decisive. It's intentional. The process, the beating, the blending. The law would strictly forbid that this recipe would be used for any other purpose than for worship at the altar of incense. Isn't that something? I'm a preacher, Pauls. There is a certain level of emotion we should only give God. There is a certain level that we sh our worship should only belong to Him. Our worship should only belong to Him. 
I've got this great story from when I was a kid. I, I love this story. My, my great, great grandfather was a, I'm talking, he was a praying guy. He was a worshiping guy. But in that, he had such a love for people. He only thought the best in people. He thought everybody was pure. And so he assumed that anytime somebody was singing, it was a church song. Great story from when I was a kid. Some of y'all would remember this song. Somebody walked into the house, my great-grandpa, great-great-grandfather's house. Somebody walked into the song. There's this old country song, uh, Dumas Walkers or something like that. Some of y'all, that's strong. Some of y'all, oh, I wish I didn't have those lyrics in my mind right now. And they walked in, and they're singing this old country song. And they said when they started singing in the living room, he went, oh, yes, Jesus. Because in his mind, the only reason to be singing was to be singing to the Lord. Now that's old school, I understand that. But there should be something about us. One of the number one reasons that children and or young people do not get emotional in church is because they have given all their emotions to video games. The same people that do not want to get emotional in church will sit in front of actually what I would call ignorant shows. Living through fake, pretend, they're not even real. Sitting here watching the show like, I wonder if they're going to get together. I don't know. Well, they were dead, but they came back. And he likes her, but she likes him. And I think he likes him. And it's... Problem is, we watch that into your home and then wonder... Can I tell you, there's some stuff we cannot watch in and give our emotions to and then walk in here and think we can give that same kind of worship to God. And ex There are parts of my emotions that are reserved from Him. Listen, if you cry watching the show, but you can't remember the last time you cried in church, that is a problem. I'm helping you. I'm not hurting. He deserves the very best we have to offer. So when we come into the altar of incense, when I come in here, I'm not giving these emotions to anybody else. I'm not giving this worship. I'm going to go one further. I'm going to go one further. Somebody, I know this is old. I know this, but this, you, you got me. That's why I only dance for him. That's why I don't go to the line and try to get me some two-step in. When I come to this place before him, I don't want to have given these emotions to anybody or anything else. I'm coming before him and I want this worship to rise.
Can I help you? I'm going to tell you. This is how I treat the altar of incense. I'm trying to tell you how I treat it in my prayer also. When I come here, I just start saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy. And over and over and over and over again, I try to get it through my thick skull that I don't belong here. But it's the holiness of God. Stand with me and lift your hands all over this building, if you will. Throw your hands towards heaven and worship God in your own way. Holy! It's a holy fragrance. It's a holy incense. It's been beaten. It's been mixed. It's been brought intentionally. There's blood on the horns from the blood Come on, it's lingering. It's lingering. It's a lingering. That's what it is. The rare spices they allowed a lingering. And watch this. The altar of incense gave aroma to the entire holy place. It was a lingering. It was a feeling. It was the honest scent of the sacrifice of praise. Some of you stood in your room this morning. Last thing you did was spritzed a little cologne or perfume on. Some of you did well. Some of you got out of control. <laughs> but we got to ask him, is my worship a sweet smelling savior? Because doing this is not enough. Having the altar is not, having the structure of the altar is not enough. I need coals of repentance. I need incense of process. I need separation from the outer. I'm not a vocal. We need the altar of incense in our homes. We need it, we need it, we need it. Moms and dads, your babies need to hear you every now and then just walking through the house. Just What's mom doing? Ah, oh, she's just talking to Jesus. She's just giving him something that she doesn't give anybody else. She's holy, holy. She's just joining with the seraphim. She's just joining with the angelic beings that fly in the heavenlies and she's trying to make our house feel like heaven. Holy, 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 holy. And dads, we're not off the hook. They don't get to hear us yell at the game, but not cry out to God. Holy, 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 holy.